Hey everybody, welcome back to Techish. Producer Ryan here. Michael and Abadesi are taking a little breather this week, so we have a mini episode for you today on careers. Tune back in for regular Techish and follow at Techish Pod on socials. Enjoy. So I tweeted out like business partners into friends, basically, it's better than kind of friendship into business partners mm. and it's kind of stirred the pot of a bit of a debate some people were like no nah, <laughs> what are you talking about like me and my friends have started a business together and i'm like yeah you just started out yeah, give it, give just it, wait just holler wait. at me holler at me in a few years and we can talk do you know what i'm saying uh, and I, I have yeah i think actually i think i know a bit more about your backstory about this stuff but like you know say, say it in the way where you can keep people's names out of it and stuff like that but like what's your been your experience like what do you optimize for do you think it's better I, to work with someone that you respect but you don't know them that well and you can get to know yeah. them or is it better to be like listen i know you and i respect you we're good friends let's like work together like what is mm, the optimal i'm definitely like don't shit where i eat kind of camp do you know what i mean like i yeah. think I think when it comes to ventures, just because of the very nature of them being high risk and often low reward, yeah, <laughs> I do think it is better to just work with someone where you're not expecting anything beyond do the work. Mm-hmm. And if it then becomes a friendship, that's great. That's a plus. You and I started a podcast and became friends through doing the podcast. Like we didn't know each other that well. You what? I thought we were best friends. How <laughs> dare you? No, I'm joking. No, you're right. I think literally we interacted maybe Whereas, like three, four times be- yeah. literally before that. Yeah. Whereas in the past, I've been like pulled into things from uh, with people that I worked with before. Like we had mutual friends. We went to school. We went to uni, whatever. And then it's so hard to transition that relationship to a business relationship where you are, let's face it, critical with each other a lot, super direct, in conflict. You know, starting a business is so stressful and it's really, it's really high risk. And for a lot of the time, let's face it, it's low reward as well. Mm-hmm. You're just not getting anything out of it. No and guarantees. When you when you come together to collaborate on a business, usually what happens is you already have really clear expectations and also like clear boundaries. Like, hey, you're going to code. I'm going to sell. Let's do this. Boom, boom, boom. And you can be in conflict from day one because that's sort of like the art of compromise and the art of moving forward. Yeah. But often like friendships happen under completely different circumstances. Completely. Like you don't, you don't even necessarily like have a lot of like shared experience or shared goals and motivations beyond enjoying each other's company. And you don't ever mm-hmm. really need to challenge that. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, Oh, let's, let's catch up. Like I think of people that, you know, <laughs> I'm someone who like has definitely had their string of like failed interactions of starting businesses with friends. And it always came down to the fact of like, what we we knew each other on a friends level and that was good but we did not know each other on a business level and then when the shit hit the fan it was like oh my god i don't actually like who you are as a business person either like our ethics don't align our values don't align or like the way that we communicate respect to people doesn't align that's often how it came down to me i was just Mm. like i often just like found myself feeling like quite disrespected by people that i saw as my business partners and i was just like i need to be able to communicate this to you and if if you can't receive that or work on that then we can't continue to be to work together you know what i'm saying and it's so difficult because like if you come together as business people you can just get that out the way from day one and there's no personal history oh remember that time when or i did this for you or i did that for you there's no like sense of entitlement no sense of whatever you just come to the table mm-hmm. whereas like with friendships i feel like there's just like a bit more of a sense of entitlement as well as like a bit more of like ah uh, it's like it's an emotional connection and sensitivity Absolutely. and it just muddies the waters what do you think 
I agree. I think you're hardwired to want your friends to like you. So I think a lot of us struggle with telling friends like, yo, we're like, you're, you're fucking up, basically. You're messing up. And I feel like with somebody who is essentially more of a stranger, it's just like, you yeah. can just be like, bro, like, this is not good enough. I've got my boundaries. And if this doesn't work, we can part ways. And I feel no type of way about that. But if you actually have a friendship that you value, those hard combos, they're difficult. They're difficult. Yeah. I always say, to be honest, you should always work together in, in like a small project. I think I grew Test up. Hate- it out. Yes. So I grew up hating university project, group projects. Like I was like, this is the worst thing ever. Like I can't believe I have to rely on these people. But sometimes I was in group projects with friends and some of them I hated. Some of them I was like, bro, I can't continue this friendship no more. Like, cause you're actually a bad person. Cause you've left me to do the work all on my own. Like, that's <laughs> not, you can't even be a good human being and do that. You know what I'm saying? So how can, I, how can we be friends? But the ones who I worked with that as friends that was like, Rob, you kind of work well together. Like, okay, you're a grind. I'm a grinder. All right, cool. Let's do this. I could then say, let's do a business partnership because actually we've tested the waters. We know what we're like on a small thing that kind of matters, but doesn't matter. So by just going in like headfirst with like your best friend, your homie, bro, be prepared to A, not make any money because businesses don't work more times than not. <laughs> yeah. And two, be, pre- be prepared to lose the friendship. If you're willing to jeopardize 100%. the friendship, you know what I'm saying? 100%. Then go for it. But if you're not, thing. And I've had situations where I've kind of moonwalked from people who kind of wanted to do stuff with me. And I was like, I'd rather just be friends, honestly. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? I'd rather just, I'd rather think, yeah. you know what I mean? I'd rather just keep it simple. Yeah. Keep it. And then the only thing is like, if it's like your really close friend who you yeah. hang out with a lot, then when you hang out, all you're going to talk about is work and you it's just want, work. yeah, like you need downtime. That like, yeah, that sucks, man. So anyways, yeah, I think I, I would warn people against it unless you're absolutely sure. Oh, definitely. And I would say, <laughs> yeah, test it out with some kind of small project. Never risk what you're not willing to lose. Yeah. See, when you try to turn a friendship into a business, you're putting that friendship at risk. You better be ready to lose that friendship, you know? Yeah. Whereas if it's a business partnership, I'll risk the business partnership. And if we lose the business partnership, that's fine. You go back to your life. I go back to mine. Sometimes we stay friends. I've done, I've done sprints with people where I was like, Oh, let's work on this idea together. Okay, cool. Let's spend three months. Boom, boom, boom. Get to the end of three months. And you're like, ah, you know what? No, let's not do it. But then we stay friends. Yeah. And, and I actually really, really much prefer that. Like, Oh, wow here's a really cool person I can work on a project with. Okay. We vibe, let's stay connected. But yeah, I mean, yeah, right now my friends are my friends. I want to keep it my friends. I don't want to risk losing them (laughs) to a business venture. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, we were saying before we were saying how like, we didn't even necessarily know each other that well before we started a podcast and we've built a friendship. Yeah. Who are you? Who are you? Who's a stranger before me? Yeah. Like, so that was probably a more healthier way of doing it where we like mm. got to know each other and like, okay, cool. Obviously I'm not saying that we don't know each other. I'm sure I know you all the time, but we mm. have built a friendship. That's the part we meant to be like, no, Michael, you, you don't know me. That's the part where you meant to just step in there and be like, yo, Michael, you're the best. I'm joking. All right, cool. <laughs> see how I did that? You see how I did that? I figured out that I know you. Anyways, <laughs> that's better. No, um, but the point is we kind of worked and built a friendship that way. You don't have to tell, you don't have to answer stuff that you don't want to. And I see this, you know, social media is like, and look, don't get me wrong. Like if I put a post on Instagram, I do try to make it as heartfelt as possible and like really try to share a reflection that I feel will resonate with like the people in my community that need to hear that women of color in particular. But at the same time, like I see this like really, like really just frustrating and like honestly disgusting trend where algorithms love trauma. Mm algorithms love oh my god this happened to me and then this and now like you know but i'm kind of be better i've overcome it i've this i've that we are now being encouraged to expose our pain our suffering to maximize engagement and it's often women 
and other marginalized people. And I just think like, it's really unhealthy and we need to stop. And we just need to like, again, have some discipline and reaffirm our boundaries and just be like, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to share as far as this, but the rest of it, no, that's me. That's for my life. That's not for me to put out into the public sphere. And the same is true of like business down. Like if you've got stuff, that's your secret sauce. Ain't nobody going to know about that. Mm. I don't know how to make KFC chicken. I don't know how to make Coca-Cola. Yeah, like, that's real. Fine. I think it's those companies have such so much money though that they can market themselves in other ways. But when you're kind of starting out and you're penniless, all you have is your story. And the crazier story is, the more attention it will get. And I don't mean, I mean, the more out of the quote unquote media norm, I'm using air quotes, nothing is, there is yeah. no norm. Do you know what I'm saying? But if something has happened to you that is quote unquote outside of the norm, there is a pressure to kind of expose that and expose your story so that you get traction. Do you know what I'm saying? To be like, oh, this happened to me, this happened but to me. But maybe we need new like, stories. But then maybe we need new stories because that is always the trend. That's always a trend with underrepresented founders. Look, I'm like five years into running Hustle Career. It's like, oh, what's the origin story? Everyone wants to know the origin story. I completely get that. But then you tell a story that's actually like deeply affected your psyche so many times. It no longer becomes a memory. You mm. know what I mean? Like it just becomes a friggin' marketing campaign. And what actually happens to your memory of that? Because that's part of your life and your legacy and your experience of the world and your I don't know, spirituality, like the way you were impacted by the events that sent you off on that entrepreneurial journey. And I just think we have to be willing to like, yes, share the origin story, but share a version of it that still protects what is sacred to us. So that doesn't become another thing that's dissected by random strangers in the public. Yeah, just know what you're comfortable with. It's ironic because I think one of the one episode that we always get flagged up about is when like, I think we were really vulnerable one episode. This is when we used to record in person. And mm. I think I was talking about ego yeah. and we were talking about just being a broke founder and, and people were like, oh my yeah. God, like the episode was so amazing and whatever, whatever. Like, but we don't mm. always go there because it's like, no. we don't have to. Do you know what I'm saying? We've got other things to talk about. And while yeah. it is great that people can relate to it and they appreciate it, you can't do that every episode. Do you know, it's just, it's not possible no. kind of thing. Because otherwise what's left for us do you know what I'm saying? So, and what's left for our yeah. therapist? Like, how are therapists going to earn money if they can't? <laughs> exactly. I got to say something for that. I got to pay someone to hear this shit, man. I can't think now, but it's difficult because Dogger just said, we probably helped a lot of people. Like, don't get to, there was probably a lot of people that heard that episode mm. and was like, I can relate. And I thought I was alone. So it's, it's a balance you've got to strike. Do you know what I'm saying? It's not all, it's not, I'm not saying never share anything vulnerable. I mean, you love Brene Brown. That, yeah. that whole, I mean, I'm still working whole, on it. That's a whole shtick. Isn't that Brene Brown's whole shtick? Like vulnerability, there's power it in is, that. Like, and you she, love her. She, I, I love that woman. She is amazing. But she herself said that after she did her TED talk, she had a vulnerability hangover. And she's spoken about this in her mm. work. She said, vulnerability doesn't come without a cost. Yes, there's a lot to gain. Deeper, more authentic human connection. People will be vulnerable in return, hopefully, if you model that behavior and establish trust. But it doesn't come without a cost and that cost is a vulnerability hangover you feel exposed right you're like wow i really laid my soul bare and this is the thing that i'm saying like i reached a point now with the hustle crew story where people are like oh so tell me why you started hustle crew i was just like really do i have to go back there for yeah. you like you don't like don't you already know and like now i'm just like so desensitized to the narrative because it's just like yeah then this then that then whatever and cool boom yeah so people were racist and sexist to me but here i am la-di-da. like i don't know it's it's just interesting and i think you know i'm reaching that point now where it's just like I need to find a way to tell the story where it's still, you know, inspiring, but not almost diminishing what was ultimately an extremely traumatic period in my life. This episode is sponsored by Quorum. Quorum builds software that helps public affairs professionals work smarter and move faster. They are hiring for a senior software engineer in the performance and platform team. Work on systems using tools and technologies like Python, Django, PostgreSQL, AWS, and much more. There is a link to apply to this role in the show notes. 
another note, so I've been sitting there thinking about my career and people like your career as well. And I'd be like, as a counterfactual, I would love to have known, would we have been successful if we did this a thousand times? And so I said, this is me going down a rabbit hole. I start thinking, what would be the way to make the most amount of money with the least amount of risk? If we to do my career again, basically, oh, and I'm sitting, I'm thinking, entrepreneur, entrepreneurship ain't the way forward. I know we've oh, said this before, no. but it's it's not like. And I was like, the people that make the most money with the least amount of risk, number one, VCs, just because they're mm. able to kind of diversify across thousands of companies, for example, as opposed to a founder who's stuck at a company, uh, one company at a time, and also employees at early stage startups. So these yeah, are the people man. that there are people and they exist out here, but they keep it on the low. Who are employee number hundred at Google. Then they left to be employee number what, 200 at Facebook. Yeah. And now they're employee number like 300 or whatever at Stripe. And each, each time they have been collecting that equity, that coin. And every time the company went public, they have just cashed in. And they're probably richer than most entrepreneurs that you look That's up. That's quite and risky like, though. That's quite risky though. How sway? They, all they did is take a job, a six-figure job each time. There's no risk there. Like worst case scenario, Facebook and Google didn't work. Oh, sorry. I collected 100K a year well, for six years. My bad. I guess like, what I should say is, I guess what I should say is like the risk is if you're from an underrepresented background you're going to be yeah. having in a very 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 shitty time and it's not going to be worth it yeah but that's that's true of the whole industry so whether you're working at the next facebook or whether you're working at the company that startup that went bust the problems of the industry are a macro yeah, but right it would be there. like acutely acutely worse for you i do also feel you, you could so. join not necessarily as a startup even if it's like a bit later stage and still stay in the company a really, really long time, basically be OG, like Satya Nadella. Yeah. See what I mean? Like just keep working, yeah, keep working, keep working, end up CEO. I mean, he's yeah, probably that's, banking that's like cool. millions every year just in cash, not even mentioning his stock. Yeah, so hypothetically speaking now, we had this question a while ago, but I'm trying mm. to think, do you have any updates? What would you say? Like, let's say you wanted to implement that strategy. You wanted yeah. to be employee number 300 at, at the next big startup and you didn't want to go out there and do your own company and take that risk. What companies would you be looking at? Essentially now, you've got to put on your investor hat and be like, what companies are going to change the world over the next five to 10 years that are still kind of early? Like, where would you go? I feel like you're asking two different questions and I really just want to like qualify this. So? Because the thing is, you can't be you can't be tactical when it comes to building your career because at the end of the day, mm. you need passion, drive, and interest to actually like stay on the roller coaster through the ups and the downs. See what got I'm you, saying? Got you. Like, I can say you. to you right now, like, okay, go into 3D. Anyone that's doing anything around like 3D modeling, 3D right, yeah. data, 3D, whatever, whatever, that's going to be really big. But if you're not interested in that and you're not interested in like the applications of that and how that can be valuable, it doesn't, then it doesn't really matter. And in a similar way, it could be like, oh, security and privacy is going to be really interesting, whether that's like deep fix, whether that's this, whether that's that. But you can't just plant yourself in a company Into where you space. don't care about it because mm. it's not always going to look like it's going to be successful. It's not always going to be obvious what's going to happen. The company could get acquired. It could like try and fail to raise funding. Your boss could be an asshole. I just think like asking the question from a VC perspective is a lot easier because I just have to put my cash mm. in it, assuming I have any, and then yeah. sit back and relax whereas actually like sacrificing my 50 Time. 80 100 hours a week on that dream all for it to go wrong like i don't know like i just don't believe in that i know it's coming down now more just to like a personal philosophy thing mm-hmm. but i would i would not do that with my life because i think it's about the journey not the results i agree, I agree yeah. with you i know i, I hate you what you're saying me I think- 
if you pushed me. Yeah, fine. Here we go. Here we go. You, I'm gonna, you know what I'm going to do. Go on. <laughs> I just think it's like obviously the huge space, but things related to cybersecurity are very interesting, right? Whether that's like helping big corporates protect their data, helping consumers understand the relationship that they have with their data, whether that's like turning data that right now isn't really being utilized to the maximum value into a way where that can be done. I think that could be really, really interesting. So that's one space that I would be like, yeah, definitely like really interested in. And then the second thing would be like just looking at the future of work. Like if if COVID mm-hmm. never went away, if we just did something that we just had to spend the next 10 years dealing with, what would be the most obvious and urgent things to sort out that we still haven't found a way to do? And it might not be obvious things. It might not be like what I need to work or how it might be like how I work, where I work or something like that. How about you? No, I think you, I think you said some good stuff. I, I don't have any. I'm trying to pick your brain. That's what I'm trying to do. <laughs> I think I think you said the future of work stuff is where I'd be focused on. So obviously like your companies like Notion, obviously we picked them up. Yeah, future of work, stuff that helps with remote work. Even Stripe, I would still want to go work there. Yeah, I would still want to work at Stripe. I still think that's massive. Yeah, there's a couple, there's a couple. Flexport is Can massive as well. Can I just say as well, by the way, that like there's a flaw in this theory because mm-hmm. we've just talked about the death of the IPO. Mm. So what happens, right? Because there's a lot of people, I'm thinking probably like OG Airbnb, OG yeah. Stripe, people sitting on these shares that have vested sitting on their ass, waiting for a a capital event, liquidity event, no sign of it happening, probably don't have many opportunities to sell this on the secondary market, even if there is demand for it. If this trend continues, then this tactic is broken. It's flawed. You know, and you know what the the fuckery is, or part of my French, you know what the, the, the worst thing is? I think when it comes to like secondary markets, so if you don't know, secondary markets are a way of you selling your shares without going public or or selling your company. So you can sell it to like the Saudis or SoftBank or whatever, right? You love um, the Saudis. <laughs> I'm just mentioning them because they're quite prominent because they're cash rich, right? And they, they've yeah, invested yeah, yeah. a lot in startups, right? No shade, like, but, so, but I don't think that is available to employees. I think generally speaking, only founders are allowed to sell into the secondary markets oh, and employees have to kind of sit on their, on their thing. Yeah. I mean, I haven't got that completely verified, but I'm pretty sure that it's true. And that is another disparity, which I think is completely offensive. I think the problem with WeWork was that the founder had sold like a billion dollars worth of shares before they had gone public. Like he had kind of, you know, sold on the secondary markets while the employees were kind of still sitting there waiting to, to, to get rich, essentially. So that's a problem. You're right. Absolutely. Yeah. And the last thing on that, I think you're also right about the philosophy of like... I'm always right. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what? The thing, the, the why it's so hard though, for people kind of like from our background, and I've seen it with all my homies, is that a lot of times, because we don't come from that generational wealth we're happy for any job like to come from that position of let me oh, yeah. take my time and and, and, and hand select what company i want to work for and you know let me just sit here and look at you know a selection of companies and choose who i'm going to apply for yeah there's a lot of us that can do that but there's also a lot of us that, and i know them firsthand who are like fam i need a job right now mm-hmm. so whoever's hiring for a data analyst i'm just going to go there and then they end up work going there and they might get lucky it might end up being a great company that's going to grow that gives that helps them build their wealth but a lot of times it ain't <laughs> just i'm saying it's the first thing there right so i'm fully aware of that i don't want anybody listening thinking oh michael man you're just talking some privileged bullshit about selecting your company and whatever whatever. I know the reality I'm aware of that so I just wanted to throw that out there you forgot your Um, roots you fancy now forgot my roots you've got your phone in your hand what i want you to do is hit subscribe if you're on spotify or apple follow whichever one subscribe follow it's all good and it will super duper help us climb up the rankings and do our thing and if you have got time leave a review as well that will be super duper nice but if you like tech if you f with us if you enjoy whatever we're doing it would be a great help all right peace